0: Welcome to Women Over 70 Aging Reimagined and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others are Catherine Marino and Gail Zalitsky. Hi, I'm Gail. And I'm Catherine. We are the active voice of Women Over 70 Aging Reimagined. Welcome to our weekly podcast. Our mission is to showcase vital women between the ages of 70 to 100 plus, who shatter the myth that we become irrelevant as we age. These women lead fulfilling lives for themselves and others. Visit our website, womenover70.com, where you can access all the episodes. We also invite you to join our monthly podcast club, and we welcome speaking to your organization or group on aging reimagined. If women aging is a market you would like to reach, consider sponsoring an episode. Finally, if you're an author with a book about women, check out our book promotion opportunity. We are so
1: thrilled today to bring to you Nancy Hunter. Nancy is 76 years old. She was born in 1945 in Oak Park, Illinois, and is the youngest of two daughters in a family that encouraged education, a positive attitude, and the belief that life was an adventure. When she graduated from Michigan State University in 1967, she felt fortunate because times were changing towards attitudes of women and opportunities were opening that would not have been available even a few years earlier. In 1970, Nancy joined the Women in Management Training Program at Harris Bank, currently Bank of Montreal, and became the bank's first affirmative action coordinator. She wrote the bank's first affirmative action plan and played a significant role in the bank's class action equal opportunity for women lawsuit. Later, she was employee relations manager at First Chicago, currently Chase, and remained there 20 years after which she started her own business. When Nancy's husband died in 2007, she decided it was time to retire. She went to Paris for six months visited seven continents, and has learned to enjoy the opportunities Chicago has to offer. She says this later stage of life is a gift. Although many of her activities during the pandemic year have been curtailed, she has found learning experiences in different ways and looks forward to what is ahead. So welcome, Nancy. We are very happy to have you on Women Over 70 Aging Reimagined.
2: Thank you. I'm anxious to be here. Glad to be here.
1: <laughs> Good. So you were a pioneer for women in banking,
2: and I was.
1: I, yeah, we're curious to know how did that play out for you, and what changed for women during that time.
2: Well, I think right around the, seven, the Civil Rights Act was passed in 1964, and it said we were all equal, and that meant equal pay, equal opportunities. You know, equal equal job opportunities. Equal willingness to move, move, women up in the organization. Um, but it took, it, it took a number of years for people to even understand what that meant, because it was so considered so bizarre. Um, what do you mean they're equal? They're, they're not equal, you know, and this, and, and part of it was women's attitudes themselves. And certainly part of it was the corporate attitude. So when I finished the management training program, um, they asked me, as my first position, would I like to be the affirmative action officer? And we didn't even know what that meant. So it was going out and learning what is an affirmative action plan, putting numbers to that, and then doing a plan to implement it over time. And that included, in, in my situation, doing a fair amount of training. I, I wrote the plan and then did a fair amount of training and then started working with bankers who asked me to go speak to their clients um, and it also, it also meant um, an, an interesting balance that had to be done with management, not to turn them off too much. And, and people women in the organization who were often frustrated things weren't going quickly enough. But it was a very good learning experience, experience for me. And, and um, I just see women as head of corporations today and going to the sciences and things that, that my group just wouldn't have thought of doing.
1: Did you see anything change for women during the time that you were in banking?
2: Yes. Women became vice presidents. Women got into executive positions. Women could run things that they hadn't done before. And up until 19, early, early 70s, women were pretty much secretaries um, and tellers. And they were not expected to work after they got married.
3: Mm.
2: so you know and I could tell you several women who worked at Harris in in the 30s and had been there for years and years and years and barely made an officer level position um and today that would just be so totally different right but times change and and I think you know we're going through some of that now and what does it mean to the open opportunities for people, and what do you do with your own prejudices? Because
0: we all have them at some level,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: um, how do we how do we deal with that? Nancy, I have a question in terms of affirmative action. At that time, was it mainly um, focused on women, or uh, what was going on in terms of ethnicity and race and age? Um, it it.
2: Well, you in those days, you retired at 65 period. that was okay. you know, that was the end of it. So there was some age discrimination, but it, it, age wasn't the, the, the worst one. I, I didn't feel. Um, it was m- mostly emphasis on women, but people of color also. And banking was banking had always been open to women. They just didn't get into senior positions. Mm-hmm. Banking had not been open to people of color.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Asians, perhaps, but certainly not blacks. And so, for many of those people, uh, it was it was a shock um, to have have a black person there. and um they had to they had to suffer, not not only management discrimination, but also many times employee discrimination, too. I mean, I remember one time I was asked to go up to um, one of our northern suburbs and speak to a group of bankers, men owners of banks or presidents of banks. And um, I I took the train up and I took the train about 830 in the morning, going from Chicago up to the suburb. And I was the only white person on the train because that's when all the cleaning ladies
3: were Mm -hmm. going up there. Mm
2: -hmm. And while I was teaching about equality, one of the men said to me, well, we can't get black black tellers up here to be we can't get uh, minorities up here to be tellers for, for what we pay for and I said, well, you can pay your cleaning ladies, but mm. you can't pay the tellers.
3: <laughs>
2: and, you know, if I hadn't been on the train mm. at that time, I wouldn't have had that comeback. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's better today. It's still, I mean, it's still not equal.
1: Right. Right. You know, my mother was a bank teller before she married my father.
3: Mm.
1: And so that would have been in the... Uh, Sometime in the twenties, mm-hmm. and she, she used to tell the story that that they they used to sing to her mm-hmm. every time she came in. Her name, her last name was Robin, and so they sang to her, "The red red robin comes by
2: yeah. along." Yeah, 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 yeah. That's
1: what I know about women in banking. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, I think it was true, you know, yeah. I, and I think women were often doing more important jobs than they were given credit for. I mean, I can remember that around that time, I was on an airplane trip to New York and there was a woman on the plane with me and I was telling her what I was doing. She was quite a bit older than I was. And um, she said, well, I'll tell you a story. She said, I've been at this bank for, you know, 25 years or something. And she said, my boss, who was president of the bank, came to me and said, well, what, what can I do for you? And she said, you can make me a vice president because I'm already doing that job.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: and she said he thought about it and he said you're right and did right?
3: wow mm-hmm. nice. now this was a small
2: bank so he had a lot you know more flexibility than a big bank does and with some of that stuff but it's I mean I'll never forget that and I said really and she said yep she said I made a whole list of everything I was doing for him
3: mm-hmm.
2: and then I but I also think that women have had to learn to ask for things
3: mm-hmm.
2: and that's hard for women they sort of just want to be recognized versus when you go in for your performance review, this is what I did for the organization last year. Mm-hmm. But, but I think they're getting better at that too.
1: Some are and some are not. Yes. Right. So, so, uh, te- you know, you, you've, when you and I talked, you talked about your love of adventure and people. And so it seems to me that that's really inborn in you. You said your, your parents, You grew up with a a belief that life was an adventure, and uh, you don't have children. So, tell us about the adventure in your life and what you do with your extended family and the other younger people in your life.
2: Well, it's important to me to have younger people in my life because I don't have children. Mm -hmm. And um, from my husband's side, I have two nieces and a nephew. And from um, Jack's side, front not real and not. blood relative, but certainly very close. I have two godchildren, a boy and a girl that are that are brother and sister. Mm -hmm. And it has, I mean, it has been it's it's been fun to do things with them. I've been able to I took my two oldest nieces over to Europe and it was their first trip to Europe. Mm -hmm. And that would have been in about 19, about 2015 I I did that. And one was 14 and one was just graduating from high school at that Mm -hmm. time so that was that was a fun experience because they had never I mean they had traveled they traveled in in the states but for your first trip overseas that's that that's a really fun thing to do and it's certainly a memory that we'll always have we went to Italy Mm -hmm. and I had arranged for um, people to meet us in different spots and sort of private I mean we didn't go as a group we just went the three of us and so I had arranged for um, people to show us around and it was it was just wonderful to hear their comments and and uh, and I told them one suitcase just one suitcase for teenagers that's hard to do um, and and I always said you, you can't skip I said when we get into a bad mood you can't stay there when you're traveling it, on a trip you're always going to have some time when things don't go right and you can't skip the dip but you got to bring yourself out of it and then I told him to save save twenty dollars to buy me a martini at the end, and they did all three things. <laughs> so that was, it was fun. Yeah. I, I I don't feel quite today that I can. Um, I I don't feel like I can could take two teenagers overseas quite today the way I did then.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: I I it, it would just be harder for me. So the first two got lucky, and after that i say go, <laughs> go now while you can.
1: How, how else do you keep younger people in, in your life?
2: Well, my one uh, grand she had an internship in Chicago and she said she'd like to stay with me for mm-hmm. three months in the summer. And that was a really learning experience for me because, and I said, of course, and, you know, gave her keys and all that kind of stuff. And, but. I was going to like really help her and talk about careers and that sort of thing. But she actually, she and her friends actually were very helpful to me to understand this generation differently than I had up to then. Because so often I heard, oh, they're crazy. They can't do this. They don't do this, blah, 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 all the things that old people say about young people. But when, when I met them one on one, I just found they were lovely and delightful and very concerned about things that are just important today, like the environment.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, mm-hmm. I had I had been concerned about the environment, but I I didn't have the passion about it that they had because they had studied it. Mm-hmm. And you know, clearly the technology issue is is you know they do everything online.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: That's for somebody my age, sometimes sometimes you say, would well, you ever write a note? <laughs> you know, they they don't think that way. But every so often, gracious, she'll still send me a note. <laughs> so and I I've kept them.
3: Yeah, nice. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Well, talk so, about
1: adventure. Your your um, your husband died in a difficult way. I know.
2: Yes, he committed suicide.
1: He committed suicide. That's certainly the most difficult.
2: It's very difficult. Yes. I think the only worse one would be somebody shooting him.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right, because it's, it's 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 an issue today um, with that's the cool. crimes around.
1: Yeah. And suicide is a big issue today.
2: Suicide's a big issue today.
0: Nancy, how old was your husband when that happened?
2: 59. Wow. Yeah, he was young. And I was, you know, I was 58.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: I was, you know, certainly not young, but certainly younger than I am today. Um, and, you know, and I just, I, I really sort of developed an attitude that, and I went to Jack's family. And I said, I still want to be your aunt. Mm-hmm. And I went to his sister and said, I still want to be your sister-in-law. And they were very gracious. I mean, they said, of course. And they include me in lots of things. Um, you know, they don't live in Chicago, but Christmases and Thanksgivings and everything, I'm always invited. And when, when one of them comes into town, they often stay here.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, so, and, and then Gracie. Who's the one that lived with me for the summer? She um, she lives in Chicago, so we see each other regularly.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I mean, young people have to have their own lives, and, and that you know they, they go on that sort of thing. But I've been—I feel like I've been very fortunate. And then my two godchildren—they live in a suburb just twenty minutes from me, oh. Oak Park, and they've got they they're the age range for that group is anywhere from a year to 22. (laughs) And that's a, that's a fun (laughs) when we all get together and we do pretty regularly. Um, They're, they're good about not just birthdays and that sort of thing, but just saying something, Oh, come on, we're all getting together for pizza. Come on over. And yeah, so that's, that's
0: good. I'm I'm wondering, you know, when that how traumatic it must've been when your husband committed suicide and, and, you know, how then you went to so the introduction was you went to Paris and you visited seven continents. How long did it take you to sort of decide that that's how you wanted to live your life now? Well, it, um, I had a business, and so I had to
2: figure, and I had always traveled. I mean, I had mm-hmm. always traveled as a young girl, I traveled. Uh, but i but I had a business, and I went to my business partner. About a year after Jack died, you know it's the old story, give yourself a year, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I said, Bob, I think I'm ready to sell my portion of the business to you and what we agreed to do, which was which was really helpful, we agreed that I would work part time for a year,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and that could mean i could I could work you know Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, or if I wanted to take a month off I could i could Hmm. I could do that. I mean, it was there was a lot of flexibility. We had a consulting business, an outplacement hmm. consulting business, oh,
3: okay.
2: and and so I, um, I mean, th- there was a lot of flexibility with my time with that. It wasn't like when I was in banking, and then at the end of uh, Jack died in two thousand and three, and I quit working January in, in June of two thousand three, and I quit working. January completely quit working January one of two thousand and seven.
3: Ah,
2: yeah. So it was a, it was a few years, and I'm glad I gave myself that, but I'm also glad I worked part time during during that period.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So.
1: so why did you decide to go to Paris?
2: Well, it, um, I had I had thought I'd always kind of wanted to live in overseas for six months, and I was thinking Rome, and a woman from the bank who I had gotten to be good friends with after jack's death she said to me would you think of paris and i said yes she said nancy i have a friend who's got this um, co-op in paris and she said it's big and it's beautiful and she said it's in a really nice section and so i said okay you know i'll take it mm-hmm. and then the, the woman deb flew in to meet me cuz it cuz she wanted to be sure you know i was okay kind of thing and um, and she said, I'd be glad to rent you the apartment. So then fortunately, my roommate from college, who I had remained close to, I said to her, would you think of going to Paris with me? And she was divorced. She had two sons that were in their 20s. And she said, Nancy, I've been looking to retire, and I would love to go to Paris with you. <laughs> so She came with me for six months. Wow. <laughs> and this, this unit had the three bedrooms, three and a half baths. So Mary Ann could have a bedroom, I had a bedroom, and then we could have guests.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and then there was a, there were some times when like Mary Ann's friends would be in town and she'd need a little more room. And I could just, I could go outside the city and do something. Mm-hmm. Or the same with her, with me. So we we had a very full six months, very full mm-hmm. six months. And it was a it was just a wonderful experience. Just wonderful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then and then you came back to Chicago.
2: I came back to Chicago, and started traveling uh-huh. again. And I've been on seven continents. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that happened to me pretty early on the first the first I, there's a group of women, single women, that I travel that I've traveled with for years, and um, even when I was married, Jack always said go have a good time with them, and we did. Um, so. We went we went up to Canada and did a colors tour in Canada and while we were on this tour there was another woman who had just lost her husband and she was from Australia and so we we became very good friends and she has become she's come to Chicago on numerous occasions and I've been fortunate enough to travel on all seven continents with her and nice. then yeah and then um I've gone down to australia and spent a lot of time with her and um we we've become you know really good friends and still we're going to do a zoom um next week nice the goof of us that know each other yeah so that's fun
0: nice yeah so you managed to travel to all seven continents Mm -hmm. uh after 2007 um, is that correct? That's correct. I'm green now, with Envy, by the way. Well, it is.
2: I had been to, you know, like five of them before, before mm-hmm. that, but um, all, then I've done all seven since then. Same I've been thing. on, yeah. Other than Australia, I mean, other than um, the Antarctic, I've been on all continents at least five times.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah, so it's,
2: but I started young
0: mm-hmm.
2: and, and, you know somebody say oh do you want to go to Germany I go yeah I'll go to Germany well let's go to South America okay I'll go to I mean I was one of those go-to people mm-hmm. and then when I married Jack he liked to travel mm-hmm. so we did we did Africa and most of Europe together we didn't do Asia. we did we did Japan together mm-hmm. we didn't do China or Laos or Cambodia or any of those but and then another friend of mine um Mary who she was divorcing at the same time that I was Um, leaving the bank to start my own business. Jack was alive, but we had decided we wanted to do Vietnam Mm -hmm. and Cambodia. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And so we did that. Um, So, and, and, you know, it just starts piling up.
3: Sure. Sure. Yeah.
1: For you. So, so tell us, how do you think about your own aging? You know, what's, what's different now and how are you managing this time of your life?
2: Well, I'm fortunate, but my mother died. She was 67. My dad lived to be 97 and he died at home. Um, He, his heart just gave out. I mean, he wasn't in any pain or anything like that. His heart just gave out. Mm -hmm. So, and he he was active, but it's, it's definitely a point where I think, now, how do I want to spend the next 20 years? Right. And, you know, and that means I could die in the middle of this podcast. You know, I'm not planning on it, and I and it's important to me to get kind of up in the morning and get out and be with people. Now, the traveling, the 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 um, more difficult places to go to, I'm kind of glad I've done that Mm
3: -hmm. because
2: I want to be pampered a little more than traipsing through Bhutan. Uh Um, But and I was thinking this morning, how this next year, what do I want to do during this next year? And one of the things I have is a book called 110 things or 111 things to see in Chicago that you must not miss. Mm -hmm. And I started going through that because I've lived in Chicago all my life. And for me, it was like, it's like, you know, there's a lot of things I'm going through this book. I haven't seen. I mean, I've been here and I haven't been to the DuSable museum. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's, Statues around that I haven't seen, mm-hmm. and I thought that could be kind of a fun thing to do. Is is just put a big map of the city on it and identify where all these places are, and just say, go and see
1: them. Start exploring.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, so, and then I do have I do have. Um, well, this weekend I'm going to do something that I ha- that I want to do that I wanted I wanted to do last year, and we couldn't because. Because of COVID, but I'm going to go down to Peru, Indiana, and do the Cole Porter Festival down there.
1: Yeah, that oh. like fun.
2: Yeah, it's two friends of mine are giving it to me as a birthday, a belated birthday present,
3: uh-huh.
1: and
2: uh, it's something i wanted to do for several years. And when you talk about getting older, sometimes I was talking, telling somebody the other day, a young younger person, he said, "Who's Cole Porter?" Oh, okay. oh no. <laughs> Like Oh okay. <laughs> but oh. then I realized I don't I don't know who his current music is either. So you know <laughs> that's the way it is.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, well that'll be fun. And yeah.
2: It's Thursday Thursday through I'm leaving Thursday. We're driving, we're actually driving down Friday morning, going up to Friends in St. Charles and spending the night. And then we're leaving on Thursday on Friday morning and coming back on Sunday.
1: Fun. Great. Yeah. I, I agree with you that exploring is, is the most fun. Yeah, there's always something new to see that you that you haven't seen before.
2: Yeah. No, I'm sure. It, 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 you know, when we were in Paris, of course, I had been to Paris several times, but I didn't. I had there's a lot of things I hadn't seen. I'd seen all the tourist stuff, but not a lot of not other things. And Marianne and I we put a big map of Paris on the dining room table. And every Sunday, we would decide some place we wanted to go during the week, like, like every day during the week. Didn't mean we couldn't change it. Uh-huh. But then when we'd come back and we'd usually walk or we'd take transportation one way, the subway one way, and then walk back or yes. take the bus back. And then we'd come in and draw a line on the area that we'd been to. And it was fun seeing that happen because uh-huh. over six months you just say oh my god look at all those marks that we have." Uh-huh. We have done. Yeah. So,
1: so you yeah, said it's important to you to get up each morning and n- be active know you're doing something mm-hmm. does that continue to
2: yeah I don't get up mm-hmm. as early as I used to. Um, mm-hmm. per- during the pandemic I, I mean I've always been sort of an early riser and I do I live in the high rise, as you know, with beautiful view of Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I do like to watch the sunrise. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I get up before sun's rising and just come out here and see the sun come up. Uh-huh. And that's really very, I mean, it's very peaceful to
3: yeah.
2: me. So I, I like to get up. I like to get out. I'm fortunate in that I live in an area where everything is pretty close. And So I can walk to a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a member of the university club. And I can walk to the university club and back, and the grocery store is, is real convenient. And then there's a little park behind me that's lots of fun to go to. Mm-hmm. And um, if I'm by myself in the afternoon, not doing anything, I'll take a glass of wine and go to the park and watch all the kids play mm-hmm. or the dogs play, and that's kind of fun. So um, you know, I, it, it's there's I don't I don't think I'm as relevant as I was at. 50 or 45 or something. But I do think it's, um, I, I think it's important to show people the attitude as you get older. And I think that the young people in my life feel that way about me because they've told me that. Uh-huh. You know, they've said, Nancy, gosh, you're fun. You know, and we, <laughs> oh no, we don't mind coming over at all. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. uh, and, and so and that's kind of where I'm at now is that I can do what I want to do and, it, and it's, it's 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 not relevant in the way that you have a job that you go to every day. Mm-hmm. But I find just, I find some comfort in getting older, too. That um, I, it, it, there's things about it I don't like at all. But then there's other things I say, you know, I can look back and be very comfortable with the way I've lived my life. I've tried to be a good human being. I think a lot of changes that are happening today are um You know, we make progress on a lot of sides, including racial and and women issues. Uh, I mean, we had, a when I was growing up, we had a neighbor and she became a lawyer. She went to Washington University in St. Louis in the early 30s, but she never Mm -hmm. practiced law. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, a woman just didn't practice law in those days. She got married, had her children and that, you know, that became her life. But I think even just to go to law school at that time. Mm-hmm. Had to be pretty challenging for her, okay. because people weren't always kind about treating women like equals. <laughs> they, you know, and so um, I, I think of her often. And when her daughter, who was a good friend of mine, we, you know, we went all through grade school and everything together. When her daughter um, graduated from Northwestern and went to a big law firm downtown in the early seventies, she, her boss, one client didn't want to work with Carla. Mm. And he said, I didn't want to work with a woman. And the the owner of the law firm, the senior partner of the law firm said, oh, well, we thought you wanted our best.
3: Uh-huh.
2: And that would not. And then, what do you say? You say, OK, I'll give her a try. And she was she did just fine. But it, it's her mother. Her mother never had that experience. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. And today, I think a woman lawyer that wouldn't surprise anybody.
1: No. Yeah. Yes. Well, a lot of women are starting their own firms, mm-hmm. law and otherwise, so that they can lift up other women and bring
2: mm-hmm. them along with them. You know, when I was in college, I had a professor, and those were the days, I went to Michigan State from 63 to 67. And, and the thing was, oh, you don't want to work for a women, woman. They're mean and they're petty. Mm-hmm. And and he said to me, and I can still remember him saying, why would women say that? Because that would mean you wouldn't want to work for them. Yes. Why, why is it okay for you to be a boss, but it's not okay for other women to be a boss?
3: <laughs>
2: and um, and I always remembered that. And when I managed at the bank, I, I, I know I was a good manager because I wasn't petty.
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: I just figured hire good people and get out of their way. <laughs> so. Um, you know, I think some of those things, there, there's there's still a cloud of some of that happening, but not like it used to be. And I think women are helping each other. The competitiveness is very different. in the business. How, th- how is it different, Nancy? It's just very different. I mean, I think they help each other. Oh, mm-hmm. Where at one time, I'm not sure they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not at all. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But, you, I mean, you see it on television. You see it all over. And just the role models you see on television or in the movies. I mean, they're just terrific compared to what they were when I was, mm-hmm. you know, when Lucy and Desi couldn't even sleep in the same bed together. Sort of. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. So
1: oh, we've
0: uh, made, we've
2: made changes.
0: Yes. yes. I just want to go back to what you said about, you might not be as relevant now as you were when you were 45 or 50 and that you, and it's, it's more now about attitude. And just say again, I want to make, because I think it's such an important distinction about we matter as we get older.
2: Yes. Well, I, um, how do I say? I, I mean, I think I do matter in the lives of people that I love and that are mm-hmm. important to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's different than having a corporate job that you go to every day where you just have to stay on top of a lot of stuff yeah. regularly. And honestly, I don't care about staying on top of stuff like I used to. Um, and so I'm, I'm comfortable with saying my relevancy now is is going to be fun around young people. It's going to be saying, when you see one of them say, I don't want to get old, I go, yes, you do. It's another stage. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're, you're up to being Twelve is one stage. Then your teens are another stage, and then your twenties are another stage. And you know, every ten years, it's a different stage or a different part in your life. And and for me now, this stage is to have fun and to bring joy to others in a different way than I did when I was twenty. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
2: That's... go ahead. And, and well, yeah, And sometimes, I mean, like now, I like little surprises. So I send little surprises to people. <laughs> and they'll call me up and say, that was, I didn't expect that. I said, well, because I, I, I like sending little surprises. <laughs> and I mean, this friend of mine in Australia, her two granddaughters, and they're just terrific young girls. I mean, they're girls still. But I was at one of the, the baby shower for the oldest one. And um, when her mom married my friend's son, the daughter had an opportunity to go to Vienna and with with the Australian consulate there, and the son gave up a very good job to go over there with her and the, and the kids, mm-hmm. and really help raise the kids the first seven years. Um, and they would always send pictures and stuff, and I would send presents to him over—not not big stuff, but I just a little something on occasion. And then they came back to Australia, and now they're doing stuff in Australia together. And and she's moving up the Australian embassy, and he's got a job and all that, but. They went and visited bees and a bee farm. And they sent me pictures of them in this bee farm. And I found these little tiny rhinestone bees pins. And I sent them to them. And it was like, oh, that was so much fun getting a surprise. Well, you know, it's, that's not making major corporate decisions, but it's, <laughs> it's still fun. It's mm-hmm. still fun for me to do. So... Unfortunately, I can afford it. I, I recognize that, you know, there's some people that can't, but it's still fun to do.
1: And that for sure is relevant and and makes a difference. So you're continuing to make impact just in a different way.
2: Just in a different way.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I love and it. Yeah. My, my, um, my goddaughter in Oak Park, her oldest one, is going to... Um, California she's she's a musician and she went to NYU in music
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and she wants to get out to California and see what she can do out there and so they had a party for her going away the other day and it was just a small group of us I mean it wasn't a big party it was mostly her aunt and myself and nothing and I thought you know I'm going to write you a note because you you know texting or emailing we've kept in touch that way when she was in New York but I'm going to write you a note. And I did. And it was like, you know, I saw when you were born, I saw when you take risks and don't be afraid to do that. Go ahead and do that. And know that, you know, know that your parents love you and you've always got a home there. And if if they get mad at you for some reason, you can come and stay with me. (laughs) (laughs) And and so, um, you know, it'll be fun to watch her. Yes. Yeah. So. um, Well,
1: this has been really, really wonderful. I love yeah. your attitude, and well, thank you. And um, thanks so much for being our guest, Nancy.
2: Yes. Well, thank you for having me. I thank hope, you. I hope I can I hope somebody listening can learn from it.
0: I've learned from it. So Good.
2: <laughs> thank, <laughs> you, <Nancy. laughs> thank you, Nancy. Thank
0: you. Listeners, please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Become an active participant in our community through our Facebook group. And no matter your age, participate in our monthly Zoom gatherings. You'll find everything you need to know about our Women Over 70 community on womenover70.com. We'll see you next Wednesday on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Thank you for listening to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myths that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at WomenOver70.com.